2: This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, as always, broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook right outside of the Windy City in Des Plaines, Illinois, to be exact. But For the next hour, I will be with you, and we will be covering plenty of betting topics. To kick things off, we'll preview this Bulls game tonight. We got the NBA back, baby, so we're pumped about that and got a lot of different betting angles revolving around it, not only from myself, but 15 minutes from now, Beeson's betting reporter, Josh Applebaum, will be joining us. I'm sure he's got plenty of action in the NBA, some hockey, and maybe even some college basketball. But speaking of college basketball, we got to get on Beeson's ex- Himself, Greg Hoops Peterson, the man literally handicaps every single Kyle Choops game. So he will be with us 30 minutes from now on Rush Hour. And then at the end of the show, you know the drill. That's gonna be in 45 minutes. My best bets. A.K.A. Danny's Dime. So a lot to unload throughout the next hour. But like I said, let's begin now that we do have the NBA back in the mix. Thankfully, after I had to watch that uh, Wisconsin loss last night against Rutgers, I'm not, you know, itching personally to bet some college hoops. Doesn't mean I don't want to talk to Greg Hoops Peterson about it. But we'll let the expert more so give you the analysis as opposed to myself. But I do love betting the NBA, and you know that I do love betting this Bulls team. So let's give you a preview for their matchup tonight against the Atlanta Hawks as we return from the all-star hiatus and at the United Center. Bulls is the home team, currently a three-point favorite as Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks come to town. Now, the spread hasn't consistently been three. It's been at four since a couple of days ago, and you've seen the momentum slowly trickle down toward Atlanta. Moneyline has the Bulls minus 157 at Bet Rivers, Atlanta plus 130, on the buyback, and the total has, uh, well, seen some movement to say the least. 234 and a half is as low as it's opened in some spots, and now it's as high like at Bet Rivers at 241. I mean, yesterday I think it was like 234 and a half. Maybe I'm going crazy and I've been looking at it so much, but there's just been an insane amount of movement on this total. I get it. It's probably going to be higher scoring, not the best defenses and offenses that can catch fire, but my goodness, all the way up to 241. Now, looking into this game a little bit, dissecting how both teams have done, well, more recently, the Bulls do come in, or they came in, to the All-Star break on a five-game win streak. And during that span, they were averaging 121 points per game. Now, the Hawks, on the other side, they did decently well heading into the break. They had back-to-back wins consisting against Orlando and Cleveland. But the Bulls, speaking of two wins, have defeated the Hawks already twice this season. They had a home and home earlier this year. First game was at Atlanta. Bulls won 130 to 118. And then it went back to the United Center. Bulls won 131 to 117. Pretty much identical. It's actually kind of insane. But looking at some injury notes, Zach Levine, he's not injured, folks. You know, knock on wood and everything, but he will play. This is going to be his first game back in quite some time. You saw a little bit of his action in the All-Star game, but now he is a full go. Tonight against Atlanta, which we know is huge for Chicago. But as for Atlanta, the Hawks power forward John Collins looks like he will be missing this game after he missed the final three games before the break. Uh, he, did, he sat out practice on Tuesday. He's got kind of a foot issue, so doesn't look like the big forward will be present for the Hawks tonight. All right, getting into the nitty-gritty of this game and looking at some of these stats, you know how the Bulls are offensively. I just told you during that five-game win streak, they were averaging 121 points during those games, and that's really been the main reason why they've had success. It hasn't been their defense, although that was a big part in the beginning, but since they have been missing some pieces, their offense has carried them up to this point. They are fourth in offensive points per possession as at this mark in the season, 114.6 to be exact. With offensive effective field goal percentage at 55%, that also puts them fourth best in the NBA. Now why they could have the advantage, because their opponent really isn't that good defensively. Atlanta 28th in defensive points per 100 possessions, allowing 114.6 and 24th in defensive effective field goal percentage at over 54%. Now, we know this Bulls team because a lot of the workload comes around DeMar DeRozan and where he thrives from his mid-range, but collectively as a unit, the Bulls' highest amount of shots are still coming from mid-range, about 46%, which is the third highest in the NBA, and that's favorable to the Bulls because, well, Atlanta is allowing opponents to make over 42% of their shots from mid-range, which is 18th in the association. Another benefit to the Bulls' offense, their third and half-court offense, Hawks 24th and half-court defense. Transition offense, Bulls are second, and transition defense, Hawks are second-worst, 29th. So I know I listed a bunch of advantages for the Bulls, but this game doesn't consist of all advantages to the home team. Atlanta ain't too shabby offensively themselves. They're third in offensive points per possession, seventh in offensive effective field goal percentage, and we've talked about this Bulls defense that has taken a hit. They are 19th in defensive points per 100 possessions and 21st in offensive effective field goal percentage. But the thing about this Bulls team is – we know they don't have their healthy roster and they had this period where they were just brutal defensively. But incrementally, very slowly, they've been improving on the defensive side of the ball. Because if you remember, they were dead last at defending the three. Well, they have improved a little bit, moved up a couple spots. Now they are 28. It's it's not great, but it's an improvement, right? And that's good for Atlanta, though, how bad the Bulls are defending the three. Because as a unit, 35% of their shots come from beyond the arc. And Atlanta does do pretty well in the half in the half court set. They're second best, and the Bulls 22nd in half-court defense. But the difference that could be made tonight is transition. I told you about the Bulls, how good they are transition offense-wise. They're second defensively. Atlanta is 29th in transition defense. Well, in terms of transition offense, Atlanta, nothing that great. I mean, the Bulls are okay defensively, but Atlanta's pretty much in the same region offensively. So if there's a point in the game where the Bulls could really get out ahead, it's going to be pushing the ball as quick as possible using their length, using their athleticism that you have with Zach Levine, Kobe White pushing the ball out there. Vooch has been doing a great job following some of these missed shots on transition, and the Bulls have been doing very well pushing the ball down the floor, and you can do that very successfully what we have seen this season against this Atlanta Hawks team. So that could be the winning recipe to this Bulls team, and despite Atlanta being pretty good offensively themselves, I think it gives the Bulls the upper hand. And especially that you just have better playmakers, right? you got the MVP hopeful in DeMar DeRozan. You've got Zach Levine back in the mix. You've got Kobe White finally knocking down his triples. And you got Vooch playing like the big man you brought him over to play like. This is going to be a similar scenario that we've seen so many times that we've tried to take advantage of where the market just doesn't really respect this Bulls team that much. Okay, I'll take advantage of it then. I will gladly bet them as a small home favorite. We have seen this happen continuously, yet the market keeps moving against them and the Bulls keep finding a way to win and cover as a short home favorite. It's nothing against Atlanta, but clearly they have not gone to anywhere close where their expectations were set for this season based on what they got to in the postseason last year. But now that the Bulls are getting a piece back in Zach Levine, you had a little bit of rest time, you have a lot of incentive coming into the second half and it's at home, out of the gate, I'll gladly take the Bulls here. Short spread, you know how I'm rolling. I'm going to go with the money line, and I snagged about minus 154 earlier today. Currently at Bet Rivers, it's minus 157. If you don't want to lay that much, of course, you could have a little bit of patience, wait for an in-game number, but I am pulling the trigger on the Bulls' money line. I think it's a very good spot for them despite where the market is moving. So we're banking on the Bulls to win outright and I did want to offer you a prop that I think could be viable as well. Let's talk about the aforementioned Zach Levine. Now, you could look at his points prop at 23 and a half, and I wouldn't disagree with you if you were going to bet the over because he scored 30 and 25 respectively against, against Atlanta, and he's gone over that mark in 28 out of 47 games so far this season. But where I'm more interested in is his three-point field goals made. Two and a half is the number. The price, or the juice rather, is on the over, minus 135, and rightfully so. I mean, Levine's making about three triples per game on over seven attempts, and this is where a majority of his shots are coming from. 37% of his attempts from beyond the arc, he's connecting on 40% of them, hence why he was in the three-point competition, albeit didn't go too well. But he's gone over two-and-a-half three-point field goals made in 23 out of 47 games, and you know what? During those two games against Atlanta, they did pretty well from beyond the arc. The first matchup hit five threes on eight attempts. The next matchup hit five threes on seven three-point attempts. And the Hawks, no bueno when it comes to defending the three-point shot. They're allowing opponents to make about 37% of their attempts from three, which is 25th worst in the NBA. So along with the Bulls' money line, I'm also banking on Zach Levine to have a good night, at least from beyond the arc, where I bet him over two and a half, three point field goals made. Again, I don't hate the idea of going over his points at 23.5. The price was even money earlier, but I have a little bit more confidence in him to get at least three triples this evening. Now, really quick, before we conclude the analysis of this game, I think you should keep an eye out for Nikola Vucevic tonight and his rebounds prop of 11.5. The over is about minus 132. But why it sticks out to me is because he's gone over 11 and a half rebounds in 29 out of 52 games this season. More recently, the last 11 out of 15 games. And versus Atlanta, in those two games, the big man Vooch got 17 rebounds and 20 rebounds, respectively. Now, a reason why that probably happens is because, like the total was rising, a lot of shots from deep which means a lot of misses, presumably, and you're going to get a lot of more opportunities to get these boards. And no big man in John Collins for the Hawks, so that could open up the door for Vooch a little bit more so. Will adding Tristan Thompson take away some of his action? Well, that depends if they're in the lineup together or not. But overall, this is probably, I mean, Vooch has been a really consistent player too. Once he does well one time against a team, he tends to replicate it. Hence him having success on the boards and with his points the first two games against the Hawks. I'm not in love with the idea of laying minus 132 to the over 11 and a half rebounds. I did throw a little bit on it, but like I said, my top two plays still for this game is going to be Levine over two and a half three-point field goals made and the Bulls on the money line. But you should consider Vooch looking for him to get over 11 and a half rebounds considering what he has done against the Hawks previously. We'll talk a little bit more NBA coming up next and some hockey and some college hoops, plenty more to unpack here on Rush Hour. Josh Applebaum, Beeson's betting reporter, joining us next right here on Beeson sports betting network. For more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of City Casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you've got these City Casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local City Cast wherever you get your podcasts available and you get hooked up. Several episodes a week, great local sports betting content. Alrighty, welcome back into the mix. The show is Rush Hour, the network is VEASAN and I'm your host Danny Berg broadcasting live just outside of Chicago and for anybody else here in the Chicagoland area. Hopefully you're driving safe out there and staying inside nice and warm as once again we are enduring some snow. It just will never ever end it seems but uh, a man who's been dealing with very similar weather out on the east coast is joining us now and that is VEASAN's betting reporter josh applebaum also host of the market insights podcast co-host of betting across america josh my man how's it hanging out there on the east coast
5: hey, it's going great and by the way you're, you're not alone up in new england here we're supposed to get about a foot foot and a half starting tomorrow so uh, everybody stay bundled up and let's uh, let's bet on some sports and cash some tickets
3: Exactly. A bunch of sports to look forward to, and a good excuse to stay inside, right? As long as we can cash some of those tickets, like you were mentioning. I know you do a lot of good work to help us get on the path to doing so, and I want to start in the NBA, which I was talking about last segment, and I know you also have some strong feelings on some of those games now that we got it back in action. And starting with your Celtics tonight, Josh, an intriguing matchup as they're going on the road against Brooklyn but Kyrie even though the mandate may be lifted soon not as of this moment hence why a big part of why Boston here is a nine-point favorite Josh total as low as 214 in the hook what stood out to you for this game out by you yeah Danny so first off I think I would be a little bit careful tonight
5: betting the NBA because remember we're coming off the all-star break and a lot of these lines for the games tonight came out a few days ago so a lot of the value in line moves if you're getting the you know the back end of a move you're kind of getting the worst of the numbers. So for example, huge move here to the Boston Celtics, my Celtics, Danny, it's funny. Uh, everyone in New England, New England was so down on them. Now it's like a complete turnaround here. They've been really uh, awesome ever since uh, kind of Kendrick Perkins called them out and obviously make this trade for Derek white. But for this game tonight, they opened as low as a four point favorite on the road. They've been steamed up all the way to minus nine on the road. You know, part of that is obviously big support uh, for a team that's red hot, but also injury wise, no Kyrie Durant still out. Simmons isn't ready. So you have a ton of guys missing here for the Nets. Celtics are rested and ready to go. Marcus uh, smart and Robert Williams should be able to play tonight. So now that it's at nine, you know, you're getting like 80% of bets on the Celtics but, you know, they open again, four up to nine. I can't stomach laying the Celtics right now. Maybe they roll against this depleted Nets team, but getting the worst of the number with the public on the back end of a move. To me, no value. What I did, Danny, I took a shot on the over uh, open two thirteen and a half. It's bet up to two fourteen and a half. and a half. You look at both these teams, top 15 in offensive efficiency. Uh, you do have Brooklyn, even though they're missing some guys, they've been hitting overs recently, six and one to the, over their last seven, the last six head to head have gone over five and one. And I'm thinking Danny, you know, the Celtics have a great defense here. They're second in the league in defensive efficiency. So this isn't a play on you know uh the Nets scoring a lot i think it's a play on the celtics scoring a lot these teams met february 8th it was a 126 91 game i'm going over with this one danny thinking that the celtics poured on here and the Nets get us at least enough here to cash this over all
3: right josh let's take a look at another nba matchup this evening oklahoma city catching double digits at home against the suns plus ten and a half to be exact, and this total a little bit higher than the last one we discussed. This one up to 221, and look, the odds minus 110 each way, but what kind of movement have you seen for this matchup in OKC?
5: So another big move here, Danny, in terms of the total, this was an opener of as low as like 213, 214. It's been steamed all the way up now to 220 and a half. Again, not really a fan of laying the worst of the number after a line has moved, but I think the play here to me and what I'll be sweating is Oklahoma City plus 10 and a half. You have a lot of betting here, public betting on the Suns. Hey, they got a great record. You know, they're, they're laying, uh, you know, 10 points against the OKC team. That's been awful this year. But here's the thing. The Suns are getting two-thirds of bets. But I don't know if people really realize Chris Paul is out for six to eight weeks. He's going to be missing here. And the Thunder are actually bringing back, or Shea Gilgis-Alexander is returning from injury. So no Paul for the Suns. Gilgis-Alexander back for the Thunder. A lot of these books opened, you know, Suns laying 10 and a half on the road. Big popular bet tonight. No questions asked. Just lay it with the Suns. You know, a lot of these books got down to 10. They're back up to 10 and a half. But either way, it's kind of a line freeze. You know, open 10 and a half. Pretty much stayed where it's at. Liability has been on OKC here. And Danny, even though OKC uh, you know, doesn't win a lot of games, they're 18 and 40, one of the worst records in the in the NBA. They're actually one of the best teams when it comes to covering numbers. They're 35 and 19 against the spread, including 15 and 9 against the spread at home. So do I think OKC wins this game? Probably, probably not. But give me the plus 10.5 with Gilgis Alexander back and with Paul out for the Suns and kind of a line freeze uh, type liability play toward OKC at home.
3: Alrighty, Josh, let's move on to some college basketball in a game where I had to Google the locations of both of these schools, but that's why we love it, because there's got to be some value here if you're talking about it, my man. Sienna and Quinnipiac battling it out tonight, starting at 6 p.m. Central Time. Tip Quinnipiac, the home favorite, minus two in the hook, total at 138 and a half. What are we thinking here, buddy?
5: Yeah, so first off, Danny, Sienna, Quinnipiac, you know they're New England schools. I mean, come on, they're (laughs) in my neck of the woods, but... Uh, all jokes aside, I like it when you have these low bet games that people really don't wake up and say, I got to bet Sienna Quinnipiac, you know, it's like your USC, your UCLA, your Kentuckys that get all the action. This one's kind of flying under the radar. You have Quinnipiac opening as around a two point favorite at home. It's a low bet game yet. We've seen Quinnipiac go from minus two up to minus two and a half. So I played the money line here on Quinnipiac, Danny. I'm liking this team at home, see if they can beat uh, Sienna and cover And again, hope they cover the number for anyone who lays the points. But this is a decent edge. Ken Palm has Quinnipiac by four. Greg Hoops has them by three and a half. Quinnipiac's offense is what I'm banking on. They're averaging 73 points a game, only 66 for Siena. Better field goal shooting team, better rebounding team. And Quinnipiac's been pretty decent at home, eight and five. So again, these games that don't get a lot of public, uh, you know, kind of love, yet you see a line move, tells me respected money is causing that move. I'll go Quinnipiac on the money line.
3: All right, then another game that I'm sure not everybody rolled out of bed looking to bet, but, again, that's why we have you on here to give us that expert analysis. And and truthfully, though, these games are typically viable because, again, you're not really getting that public influence as much, and you can really see where you like to study where some of that significant sharp action is trending toward. And how about Cleveland State and Detroit next? Cleveland State just a point favorite on the road, Josh, ever so slightly a favorite on the money line, minus 115 compared to Detroit laying minus 105. This total we're seeing at 144. What value did you see for this game?
5: So, Danny, this one jumped out at me in terms of the opening number and then the way the number moved. So, first off, doesn't it seem fishy that Cleveland State, who's 19-7, and 7, a really good team, good record, is only laying on the road one and a half against Detroit, who's 12-13? and 13? Like, why is the number so short if Cleveland State has the far better record and Detroit is below 500? So, right off the bat, that number seemed a little fishy, a little bit low. Public is all over Cleveland state, better record, low number. Don't even think about it. But even though you're getting about 80% of bets on Cleveland state, they opened again, you know, one and a half or two, any twos were down to one and a half, any one and one and a half are juiced up toward Detroit. Like it may get down to one and Detroit, it really isn't any slouch here, Danny. They've actually won, you know, two in a row. You beat Wright state as a dog. Uh, you've been really good at home seven and no at home for Detroit this year. Uh, Ken Palm has Detroit winning this game by one. So, this is kind of the play I always joke around and say the Ken Palm sound the alarm when Ken Palm has a team winning, yet they're a dog and getting points in the betting market. So, give me Detroit plus one and a half. See if we can either lose by one, Danny, or make it easy on me and just win the game.
3: All right, Josh, before we let you get out of here, final college basketball game, we'll discuss UC Davis, UC Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara lane two in the hook on the road, this total about 134 and a half, a little bit of juice on the under. What was interesting for you in this matchup?
5: So you're right, Danny, with the total, there was some under money, 136 down to around 134 and a half. What I'll be sweating is Santa Barbara. I like this play towards Santa Barbara. Uh, again, another low bet game with a line move, nine o'clock game, kind of like, Hidden there in the late part of the schedule, but the game opened only seeing uh, uh, Santa Barbara laying like one and a half, one one and a half two, and again now we're seeing Santa Barbara get seamed up to minus two and a half, and even as we get closer to game time, the two and a halfs are juiced up like they may go to three. So all movement has been towards Santa Barbara. Ken Palm has them winning by two, ranked much higher, one ninety versus two twenty three, and a big advantage offensively, seventy three a game versus sixty nine. Big field goal percentage uh, advantage here, forty nine percent versus forty five percent. Rebounding edge as well. So give me Santa Barbara on the money line. Shop around around minus one forty. That's the number that I got. Uh, and Danny, if you're real quick before we get out of here, Brad Marchand coming back from my Bruins. Stay up late and sweat the bees with me, my man.
3: <laughs> always buddy. Always love talking some puck and being on the same side with you. I know you'll be pumped out there on the East Coast rooting for your guys. So uh, we'll be tallying alongside with you, Josh. Thank you as always for taking some time. And like you said, try to stay inside, enjoy the new puppy and avoid the snow.
5: Appreciate it, Danny. I think she pooped on the floor again. I gotta I gotta go clean it up. Be right back. <laughs>
3: All right, all right, we'll let Josh go. He's got to focus on some other things, priorities elsewhere for the time being. But go ahead and give Josh a follow on Twitter at Josh underscore insights. Again, he also hosts the Market Insights podcast, which you can get every single day. And co-host of Betting Across America right here on VEASAN, the sports Betting Network. Coming up next, we'll still talk a little bit of college basketball. How about the college basketball guru himself, Greg Hoops-Peterson, joining Rush Hour. Stick around.
2: This is Rush Hour on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: Need more college basketball insight? Well, check out the podcast Coast to Coast Hoops with Greg Hoops Peterson, who looks at every major and some of the minor college basketball games on the upcoming schedule to find you some solid betting opportunities. Greg has an opinion on every single College Hoops game of the season and on this podcast, he provides his unique insights and looks for those games that have solid betting opportunities. So go ahead, download Coast to Coast Hoops now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast for that matter. And while you're there, catch up on every single v show as well. That's VSIN.com slash podcast. Well, speaking of Greg Hoops-Peterson, he's joining us now on Rush Hour to talk some more college basketball, and you can follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. Greg, always a pleasure, my man, and always a good slate to look forward to when we're previewing some college basketball. So why don't we go ahead and dive right into it, talking about the top team in the country, Gonzaga, taking on San Francisco, the Zags a 10-point road favorite, Hoops, and as total a high one as it naturally is when you get the Bulldogs, but 158 is what we're seeing at Bett Rivers. What did you make these numbers for this game?
4: I made my total a little bit north of 160, more specifically a 162.5, so I'm looking at the over. You may recall, first time these two teams wound up playing, it was actually 78-62. to 62. I think that you're going to see a little bit more rambunctious scoring, and that's because you've got yourself a Gonzaga team that is number two in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, but what really goes under the radar with Gonzaga is how good the defense has been as well. They're number three in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. We all talk about the offense, but defense has been there because just unfair going up against Chet Holmgren coupled with Drew Timmy. They combined to be able to give you 16 rebounds per game and for Holmgren, he's a 7-footer that gives you 3.5 blocks per game and shoots 45% from 3-point range. I mean, if that's not a matchup nightmare, I don't know what is, but with regards to Gonzaga, it's a team that's putting up over 90 points per game out there in the West Coast Conference. They've been a completed utter bulldozer and San Francisco, they themselves, they're coming off a nice 100-plus point outing against Pacific, so they were able to find it with their offense, San Francisco, a relatively efficient offensive and defense team, But what I wound up writing up for DK Nation, I posted this up earlier in the AM, is that I'm little late here with Gonzaga. I set them as a 12.5 point favorite personally. You just notice it with Gonzaga. Whenever you wind up having a challenger out there in the West Coast Conference, a team that looks like they're rising up. They just wind up absolutely crushing them. I know that there's a lot of people that are fearing a little bit of a look at spot here prior to that game against St. Mary's. I think that Gonzaga, just being so well coached, being a team that has it all that you want, they're going to be up for this one. They're going to be able to take it to San Francisco. Won't delay the points, and I'm looking at the over all right greg let's talk a little bit of big 10 action tonight illinois
3: hosting ohio state the fighting illini lane seven points in this battle total at about 140 juice seeming to be slightly on the under who do you think takes the cake in this one
4: with regards to the total, I think that it's relatively right. I wanted taking an under when it was a little bit closer to 141 because we have seen it go down a little bit more. I set mine at a 139.5, so this is pretty much a max. I'd be willing to take the under at, but here at 7, I'm willing to take the points just because with Illinois, it is a very solid team. No offense or bust about it. Kofi Coburn, one of the most immovable objects in all of college basketball. 21 points, 11 rebounds per game. He has been sensational. And then you've got a Illinois backcourt that has been surprisingly good. Even with Andre Cabello giving them darn near nothing this season. You've had Trent Frazier, sister turnover ratio two Gets the ball to Jacob Granderson coupled with Alfonso Plummer. Both of these guys shooting the high thirties from three point range, but, with that said, you do have yourself an Ohio State team that you've got just all these guys that would be able to excel. E.J. Liddell, he is, it seems like, dealing with a little bit of ailment, so you do want to be checking in on his status. Guy that's able to give you 20 points, seven boards, three blocks per game. But even if you don't wind up having E.J. Liddell, what you do have is Malachi Branham. Malachi Branham was a little bit of an afterthought coming into the year for Ohio State. He, in true road games, is averaging 14 and a half points per game and shooting just below 50% from three point range. Kyle Young has been someone that. For year in and year out, has been a good glue guy for Ohio State. Able to give you eight points. Guy with size that's able to pop in from three-point range. He said he has been able to give you five and a half rebounds per game. It's a well-rounded Ohio State team that I think should be able to hold within this summer. I wound up setting mine more around a five and a half in this spot. So I'm willing to take seven here, and I'm looking at the under. All right, Greg, talking some Pac-12. This game, it seems like.
3: Everybody's got circled out, frankly, 8 8.30 p.m. Central Time. We still got more time to get ready for it, but I know you've been ready for it since last night. And we see the Bruins a two-and-a-half-point road favorite total at 137. Honestly, I've been seeing conflicting viewpoints on both teams, and naturally you're probably going to get that with a short spread. But everybody's been waiting to see what you think about it, or at least I have here on Rush Hour. So tell us what you got for this big matchup later tonight.
4: I made UCLA a a four-and-a-half point favorite. I'm willing to lay it. I mean, this is a game that I saw a lot of threes on when I was doing the look at earlier. So getting a a two-and-a-half, I think, is very appealing. You've got a UCLA team that... Maybe we'll get a lot more out of Miles Johnson. The transfer from Rutgers has been able to give you eight plus rebounds in far the last five games. He's really going to be able to do a good job against an Oregon team that you don't have a single guy that gives you more than six rebounds per game. And Dante has looked a little bit better recently, but I was expecting more out of Quincy Garrier. Got a guy in Jacob Young who is able to give Oregon 11 points per game out there in the backcourt, but shooting sub 30% from three-point range. Oregon is a very well-coached team. Data Omen, I think, is one of the best in the business. But I just don't think that he has horses this year. Davion Harmon, mid-33 point shooter, has been solid. And you got Will Richardson making right around 43% of his series, 14 points per game, but Johnny Juzang is the best pure scorer in this game, giving you 18.5 points per game, shooting a high 30s from three-point range. Jules Bernard, Jaime Hawkins combined for 24 points per contest. You've got Cody Riley back in fold after he wound up missing most of non-conference play as well. UCLA has been dominant on defense, and games that have wrapped up in regulation. 70 points or fewer given up in every one of them in the last 30 days, so I do think that UCLA is going to be able to put the clamps down on Oregon. Set my total more around a 136 Half. it's a total that opened up right around 138 and that so i wound up taking an under personally and i'm one late here with ucla all right greg some more pack 12 action how
3: about utah and arizona utah at home catching double digit points 11 to be exact also plus 480 on the money line so we see arizona about minus 715. but of course we're more interested in the spread which is set at 11 and a high total here at 150 and a half so again what did your numbers have for this late-night matchup?
4: I made Arizona the 11-point favorite. I thought that when this one opened up at 11, that we were going to be seeing this go to Utah like 12. I thought we might see 12 and a half. At circa. we actually wound up seeing earlier in the day, in the overnight, Arizona getting down to a 10, and I wound up gobbling up that 10 because when you take a look at this Arizona team, they just have been a completed utter machine on both offense and defense. Number seven in the country in both points scored and points allowed on a per possession basis. Now, I wouldn't be willing to lay anything more than 11 here because you do have a Utah team that they do a good job of being able to hit their free throws. They shoot around 78% of the free line. Utah's numbers are a little bit of Medusa. They're not necessarily what you would expect because Brendan Carlson has missed some time, whether it be via injury, via COVID-19 earlier in the season. And I do think that Utah is a little bit better than what they've shown to be, but at the same time, it is a Utah team that they just don't force any turnovers. This is an Arizona team that if you don't turn them over, they are just going to completely bludgeon you. Utah, they're in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball in terms of steals force on a per-possession basis. you have got an Arizona team that even with Kirk Carissa scoring in single digits in each of the last five games, you've got Ben Matherin giving you 17 points per game. Christian Coloco has been able to give you three blocks per contest. He is so good down low. Azula Stabels has been terrific. And then you take a look at Dallon Terry. He's been just very meaningful for the team in general, giving out assists. He gives you a couple of rebounds. Really good glue guy. So here at like a 10.5, like I'm seeing in a lot of spots, even up to 11, I'm going to take it with Arizona. Thought we would get more like a 12, 12.5 with Utah. Just never came.
3: All right, Greg, final game we'll ask you about. Got about a minute or so remaining. we got USC, Oregon State. The Trojans also, as we're seeing a road team, an 11-point favorite. Total at 139.5. Our last game we'll get into, did you like it enough
4: to lay it with USC? I have problems laying these sorts of numbers with USC, and the big reason why is that They are a bottom 35 team in all of college basketball in terms of free throw shooting percentage. They shoot between 64 and 65% at the line, making these sorts of numbers very hard to cover. Now, Oregon State has been terrible. They've only won three games straight up, but going to a very mundane place like Corvallis is actually a little bit of a tricky spot. You still have Jared Lucas, a guy that's able to give you 13 points per game, shooting a little bit over 40% from three-point range. I like what you would get out of the main point guard. For Oregon State as well, Deshaun Davis. He's been able to do a good job giving out five assists. He's been able to do a nice job being able to give you right around 10 points per game. Not necessarily a good sharp shooter, but at the same time, you got Roman Silva being able to give you four and a half boards per game. Warworth Altiche hasn't necessarily been himself this year. He's been dealing with a couple of injuries. And with USC, you do have Isaiah Mobley, who is just absolutely amazing for this team. He's been able to give you right around 18 points, eight boards. A guy that had six foot 10 is able to shoot from three point range in the pocket of about 38%. That has been Roxell, but once again, that free throw shooting is something that I think is really worth taking a look at, especially with the USC being a little bit more of a slow and controlled team. So I do think that Oregon State is going to be able to hold in this game. I'm going to take double digits with them. There you have it, Greg Hoops Peterson at GUnit underscore eighty one on
3: Twitter. Greg, you're the man. Love seeing all your work on a nightly basis. Keep it up, and thank you for making some time.
4: Danny, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank
3: you. You betcha. Once again, at GUnit underscore 81, the best follow for College Hoops on the Twitter machine. If you haven't already, be sure to give him a follow so you can get updated on college basketball action every single day and night, especially because it's coming to the most exciting betting point of the season, at least for college basketball. So we'll have you prepared for all of those games, as will we here at v Well, we'll get you prepared for more games tonight. Danny's Dimes coming up next, a couple plays in hockey, and we'll recap what I got in the NBA for our final segment.
2: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
4: podcasts. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the
2: sports betting network.
3: No more football, no problem. Bet Rivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college, pro basketball, and much more. So don't miss out on Bet Rivers' many daily specials, or you could try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. But no matter what you bet on, you can always count on your withdrawal approval happening fast with more than 80% of withdrawal approved instantly at Bet Rivers. So get started with life after football. With the Beth Rivers app. Alrighty, folks, it is our final segment on this Thursday evening. Thank you for being with us. The show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Five, or you can follow me on Twitter. So, since it is our final segment, it is time to unveil our best plays for the evening, aka. Danny's Dimes. So let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. We have got some hockey. We've got a money line play. We've got a total, and we can recap the action we have for the Bulls game tonight. Well, let's get into it with this edition of Dandy's Dimes. Starting with the Stars and the Predators in hockey tonight, 8:30 p.m. Central Time. Puck drop. Nashville is the home team, and they're currently laying about minus 159 at Bet Rivers. Dallas about plus 135 total. At five in the hook, a little bit of juice on the under. So just to tee up this game to start things off, look, Dallas is coming off a game last night, and it was an overtime game, 3-2. to They got the dub against Winnipeg, and what was important to note about that game is that Ottinger was in the net for Dallas, right? He's been arguably their top goalie this season, which means presumably he will not be tending the pipes tonight. More on that in a second. The Stars could come into this game a little bit weary, right, having played a game just last night and having that game go to overtime. So maybe you're a little bit tired coming into this spot, whereas for the Predators, you haven't played since Tuesday. And on that Tuesday, not only did you win to snap a four-game losing streak, you beat one of the top teams in the league, 6-4, to the Florida Panthers. So a little bit of momentum for the Predators presumably coming into this game now i always like to add this of course of course it's not a reason why solely bed something but just maybe a little bit of added incentive is that it is a ceremonial night for this nashville team and just the nashville hockey community because they are going to be hanging up the jersey of Pekka renee the first player to ever have that happen for the predators so his jersey will be hung in the rafters with an award ceremony tonight again the first guy to ever have happen for the predators spent 15 years with them as their top goaltender, but again, maybe a little extra juice added to get the dub for a guy who's represented their organization so well. But really, again, getting into the actual statistics of why I think it's a good spot for Nashville, well, you got Soros as your goalie, and when you have Soros, you have a pretty dang good chance to win this game. He's 24-15-3 overall this season. Goals against average of 2.5 and a a save percentage of 92% along with two shutouts. He's even better at home, though, folks. 14-8-0, 2.14 goals against average, and a save percentage of 93%. Now, he has faced Dallas twice this season. He's 1-1. Overall, he's allowed six goals. He has saved 48 out of 54 shot attempts, and a save percentage of 89%, so really not the greatest but at home, again, where he has thrived and against a team where it has been pretty, but he has at least gotten the job done one time, I still have enough faith in him this evening. And you are going against Braden Holtby, who really hasn't been the strong goalie for this Stars team. He's 9-10-1, 2.8 goals against average, and a save percentage of 92%. On the road. Not terrible. I mean, 5-6-1, 2.64 goals against average. A little bit lower with his save percentage at 91.5%. But he has actually been in the net in one of the two games where they faced Nashville. He was in the game where they lost. He surrendered three goals, blocked 18 out of 21 shot attempts. That was back in November, and the Predators did win that game 4-2. But if you look at what Holtby has done most recently, the last two games, he's given up a combined eight goals. And his most recent wins have come across very lackluster, inferior teams. The Devils, the Red Wings, the Sabres. And he even gave up nine goals throughout the course of those three games. So now he's getting stiffer competition on the road against a solid goalie. I'm going to have to go with Nashville in the spot. So earlier in the day, I laid about minus 149. Shop around, there's still some decent numbers out there. Right now, you're seeing minus 159. I don't want to necessarily advocate for going that high, but if you have enough conviction, I do think the Predators get the job done, but I wouldn't be as attracted to it at minus 159. So maybe you wait a little bit, get a better number, or just look around. But I do think the Predators get the dub tonight against the Stars. So that is going to be the first play I got tonight in the NHL. Let's talk about the other play I am rolling with. And that's going to be a game that's starting relatively soon. How about the New York Rangers hosting the Washington Capitals? No, I'm not interested in the money line for this game. My attention is going toward the total. Now, most books have it at six. Bet Rivers featured total price is at five and a half but the beautiful thing about bet rivers is you can swipe that button one way or the other and you can adjust the total if you want to go up to six because that's the number i played it at and i played it under six at minus 124 so if you do it now it's about minus 132 but the reason i like this total to stay under six is that the rangers have stayed under this mark the last five out of six games but more importantly uh so Sturkin, their goalie, I mean, this dude's been insane, right? I mean, he's arguably the top goalie in the NHL. 24-5-3, 2.01 goals against average, and a save percentage of 94%. Three shutouts this season as well. At home, he's been incredible. I mean, 13-2-2, 1.96 goals against average, 94.2% with his saves, and two out of three of his shutouts have occurred on home ice. Now his over-under record with a total set at 6 is seven twenty-two and 2. So he has stayed under 6 in 22 out of 31 starts if you would have the total set at 6. Incredible. Now for the Capitals, they have been a team that's performed better on the road as of late, and Samsonov has been a pretty solid goalie. He's been a little volatile, but overall, he's 17, 7, and 3, 2.84 goals against average, save percentage of about 90.5%. He also has three shutouts. But not only do the Capitals perform better on the road, so does Samson up. 10-2-1. That's right, 10-2-1 on road ice. 2.76 goals against average. Save percentage, 92% instead of his overall number of 90%. So 92% on the road, and two out of three shutouts have occurred on road ice. So again, he's a lot better on the road. I just think this is going to be a defensive-oriented type of game. Yes, Washington is a team that can absolutely punish you offensively, but it's going to be tough when you're going against the legs of Shesterskin tonight, and he's really been an absolute beast this whole season. There's no denying it, and he may end up the top goalie in the National Hockey League when everything's all said and done. So the fact that the market's kind of moving toward the under, the goalie situation favors that it could be a lower scoring affair in the spot, I'm going to ride with that thought process, and I bet the total under six for the Rangers and the Capitals. So that's the other play we got tonight. Total under six for Washington and New York at minus 124, and then taking the Predators minus 149 on the money line tonight against the Dallas Stars. So if you missed the beginning of the show, though, we also had a couple other plays involving this Bulls matchup tonight. It's a Bulls game, so you know I'm probably going to have some skin in the game. And this number was going against Chicago, actually, but To me, this just seems like a classic scenario where the market's fading the Bulls yet. They're a home team, and they still find a way to win and perhaps even cover. But since it's a short spread, you know where I tend to go, and that's laying a little bit more on the money line to have that extra security. So I laid about minus 154 on the money line with Chicago earlier today. It's about minus 157 right now. You're getting Zach Levine back in the mix. You're getting a Bulls team that is getting their players playing very well, at least offensively, at the right moment in time. Kobe White's being very productive. Booch is playing like the guy you brought him over to be, a double-double machine. DeRozan is set in history and competing for the MVP. Now, as for Atlanta, this is a team that has fallen way short of expectations and defensively just flat-out a liability. That's why you see the total rise, about seven points, from like one thirty or excuse me, half up to 241. But that's not where my interests are. My interest is with taking the Bulls to win this game. And if you don't want to lay that much with Chicago, of course, laying three, not too shabby of an option, in my opinion. But more importantly, as I always stress with this Bulls team and and with the NBA in general, but specifically with Chicago, this is a team that has trouble holding on to leads. This is a team sometimes that has to play from behind. But their home and road splits are very apparent and they do thrive at home. And this is a very similar situation to what we saw in the first half of the season. So the market just didn't respect them, but they still found a way. And that's what I'm banking on them doing tonight. So we bet the Bulls on the money line against the Hawks. And then we did have a player prop for that game. Zach Levine over two and a half, three-point field goals made. At about minus 135, he got five threes in each of the first two games against Atlanta. He's averaging about three per game. So I think it's a good night for Levine to go over against one of the worst three-point defenses in the league. So just to recap everything, Bulls money line, Zach Levine over two and a half, three-point field goals made. Predators on the money line, minus 149 versus Dallas. And then the Capitals, Rangers, under six goals, minus 124. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you to everybody for joining us. Best of luck with all your plays. Until tomorrow, take care, folks. Stay inside, stay nice and cozy, and enjoy all the action this evening.